0: to a brief chat. I'm Jason Crane. Today is Thursday. It's the 2nd of July 2020. We will continue with Catholic Week here on the show after I tell you about the events from this day in radical history, courtesy of the Slingshot Day Planner, which you can get a copy of at slingshotcollective.org, and the Certain Days Calendar, which you can get a copy of at certaindays.org. From the planner, We'll start off with 1951, the birth of Sylvia Rivera, a trans woman feminist who fought for genderqueer equality after the Stonewall Riots. And July 2nd, 1963, from the Certain Days calendar, in California, the Soledad Prison food strike began. All this week as I explore my own draw toward Catholicism, the and product of which is still absolutely up in the air, I have wanted to talk to people who have felt a similar calling in one sense or another. And we started the week with a conversation over two days with my cousin Lynn Harding, who is Catholic since birth, and then continued yesterday with a conversation with Mike Robinson, who converted to Catholicism as an adult. And that conversation concludes right now. Mike Robinson, welcome back to A Brief Chat
1: all right thank
0: you jason yesterday we were talking about your conversion to catholicism and i just want to ask about you i want to ask you i guess to describe what it was like in those first days um you know especially uh, i know you had a variety of religious experience um in your life but the the jump from what a mennonite service for example looks like to the you know almost like rehearsed theatricality level of a Catholic service, which has been in place, you know, my, certainly my entire life um, is it, it's, it's quite a jump. And so I'm curious about Absolutely. what it was like for you when you first got in there and, you know, everyone around you knows when to stand, when to kneel, exactly what to say, when, you know, most people aren't even looking at the, at the books anymore. They're just reciting everything. Tell me about that.
1: It was very hard. It is definitely a challenge, I think for both my wife and myself. So I, started to get kind of the idea that this might be the way we should go, even though I think both of us, you know, love being a part of the Mennonite Church just as much. I started to have that thought and, you know, being a little bit ahead of my wife, that was, you know, it was hard for us to make that decision. I remember we started going in the fall, a little bit after the start of the school year, and it was just, I feel like the maybe it was just our attitude, but I feel like the first few weeks we went, I was just kind of pouring and gray out in the morning, and you go in, and it's, you know, the Mennonite church was maybe a hundred people on a Sunday church. We were going to the Catholic church, like a thousand people. So you are just this face in the crowd and there's these songs you don't know. And like you said, this ritual happening and it, it didn't feel like at first, yeah, this is the right choice. But you know, the, like, that's not, that wasn't my kind of gut reaction, but you know, we did it deliberately. We didn't just kind of stumble in there. So we said, all right, let's just keep, you know, moving along. And, at first, you know, you're in this big group, basically, nobody notices that you're there. And so we just kind of keep doing it for a while. And after a while, it started to feel more familiar, you know, in some level, I felt like a strange familiarity to it that I can't really explain, because like I said, I've been to maybe a half a dozen masses in my life up to that point. But, you know, you see people genuflecting, making the sign of the cross, those things are, are so odd coming from a a Protestant background, you know, but something about them, you know, I had a sense that, I, I mean, again, our intuition was that our ancestors, we don't use that word very often, had done things like this, you know, in the various places they came from and here in the U.S. for our grandparents' generation. So there's, it, it was a very odd mix of emotions for sure, but with time, you know, you start to get to know people and you do these things, even though they feel very strange at first, and you start to have a sense that, like, yeah, maybe. There is something actually to this. I've come to believe that as people, we are liturgical. No matter what we try to do to get away from it, these patterns are a part of our lives. And so when we kind of get into them, at first they seem really weird, but then, we, then i found, at least from our experience, they become a part of you and you kind of, yeah, you start to attune the rest of your life to that, that kind of pattern of things. That was kind of the trajectory we went on.
0: And I couldn't agree more with that idea that people are inherently liturgical and uh, in need of ritual. You know, even all the years when I wasn't practicing any faith at all, you know, I tried to find replacements for that in other kinds of rituals and other kinds of behaviors, you know, for example, in uh, protest movements and activism. And then when I became a Buddhist about 20 years ago, I which i you know, i'm still practicing now the form of buddhism that i gravitated toward was the one that looks most like catholicism which is zen buddhism which has people in robes rituals incense i mean it's you know it's like buddhism for catholics even though you know it's uh it's very old and and is not co uh, cogenerative with catholicism but it looks exactly this you know the same except for the the guy who's on the altar is buddha as opposed to jesus and i, I just know that about myself and I also know about myself that I don't, for example, believe in the kind of personal God of the Bible. Like, that's just not a thing that is part of my understanding of how the universe works. And sometimes I think about that and think, like, then why would you in any way be attracted to the most, in some ways, dogmatic of all of the Christian sects? And I can't really answer that, except that first of all, it is, you know, it like I could still say the entire Mass right now from memory, even though it's been thirty years since I was a practicing Catholic. And at the same time, there's just something about the the ritual and the sense of belonging and the sense of larger community that I that I desperately want. And I feel like enough Christians have moved away from the exact personal God concept of the Bible that Maybe it's not even an impediment anymore, as long as you don't, you know, your goal isn't to, like, move the church in the same direction. I don't know how any of that resonates with you, or I'd welcome your feedback in any of it.
1: I think it makes sense. I think, like I was saying, you know, the, the church, like you said, is dogmatic. And it really, it has to be, otherwise it stops being the Catholic church. It just sort of would become, like, another Protestant denomination that had kind of broken off. It's like some group within the church went here and some went there. You know, so the, the Catholic Church is really defined by its beliefs, but people in there are going to, you know, believe whatever uh, makes sense to them, I suppose, at the time. But, yeah, it's it's so... The, the other thing about Catholicism is so different than our way of approaching life today, like we said, right? I mean, we are all, I think, no matter where we're at, kind of on the spectrum, liberal, conservative, I honestly think everybody assumes that we have to find our own truth. You know, we have to go out and, uh, you know find it for ourselves, take hold of it. And, you know, Catholicism says, well, here's truths. We can kind of lay them out for you and we can accept or reject them. But that idea is strange to everybody. I honestly think on both sides of the, the political spectrum. But, you know, a part of, for us becoming Catholic and maybe has something to do with, with your part of the story is, is that belief that there is something, you kind of mentioned community beyond ourselves that, you know, we need to enter into one way or the other. I think that religion provides a way of doing that that, you know, is not just a local community. Like, actually, maybe this is relevant to that. You know, a thing we realized about the Mennonite church we were part of is that it would be very different in a decade's time, because the thing we loved about it are these people, but they'll get other jobs, they'll move, some will pass away, and it'll all be changed in a decade's time. I think it would be a very different place. but. The Catholic Church, in some ways, as much as things may change, will, will remain the same. And, and I think it's putting us in touch with some important things about being human that we also will need in every generation that sometimes disappear. I think that's the same as what I was saying about education, that as much as, yeah, we, you know we, we're not going to teach the way the ancient Greeks did today. We have to teach for today's students. But the things that students need in some ways are always going to be the same. And if I just rely on my own ideas, I probably won't hit on those things, whereas what's embedded in some of these traditions are key things that that I need to know, but that I wouldn't find on my own, if that makes sense. So,
0: yeah, it totally does. And I think it provides a level of that idea of the unchangingness. I mean, that unchangingness is a slightly mythical. I mean, if we if you know we had gone to a Catholic mass in the era of my parents when they were young or my grandparents uh, that mass would have been in Latin first of all. So, I mean, the, the, the the church certainly has changed. And I mean, you know, obviously Vatican II was a big part of that, but generally speaking, uh, I completely agree that the, More or less, you could follow along 100 years ago, 200 years ago, and probably 100 years from now and 200 years from now. And you could probably do that on nearly any continent where Catholicism is practiced. And there is something about that that I've never found anything to replace. I mean, I've just I've never found anything to replace what a faith community does in my life, even during the years when I was actively rejecting that and kind of fighting against institutionalized religion in a lot of the things I said and did, um, there's just nothing that's ever replaced it for me. And I have felt a calling my entire life, even when I was, again, like a really militant atheist um, to like, you know, clerical service. And there's just no there's just no other thing in my life that's ever that's ever replaced that, no matter how hard I have fought to make that sentence untrue. <laughs> I've never managed it. And I think Catholicism for me is kind of almost like the ultimate distillation of that. Like, even after having been a Buddhist for 20 years, longer than I was a Catholic, um, I don't feel the same sense of comfort in the rituals of Buddhism that I still get from just walking into a Catholic church, even when I'm just looking around and there's no service going on.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe this is too big of a question for a couple of minutes or whatever we have left, but what do you think that is? Why can't we make essentially like a uh, an atheistic, humanistic religion? There's been efforts at this in the past. All have failed in, in short order. Why can't we, if we no longer have that belief in the personal God, how come we can't take the good things from religion, leave the stuff that we don't want? You know, that to me is like such a fascinating question. Probably, like I said, there's no quick answer. But why do you think it is? Why can't we just take the good and leave behind the rest of it?
0: Yeah, you know, one um, first of all, saying saying that we can't do it, I do wonder about because one one thing we have not attempted, I think, is trying to do that for the length of time we've also been having institutionalized Christianity. Uh, You know, I think. So who knows if two thousand years from now. Uh, people, you know, hosting a brief straight brain download or whatever the podcast is, um, <laughs> won't be saying, you know, it, it's amazing that for 2,000 years we've had this, you know, beautiful kind of secular spiritual tradition. But um, that said, I do think that there is, first of all, a connection to the mysterious, that it's very hard to replicate if you remove the mysterious. And I think <laughs> very true. There's, uh, there's also just, like you said, Like you, as you said, you didn't even grow up Catholic, but you still feel like almost like it's in your DNA that there is some connection to this collection of rituals. And I can't can't think of anything else. Yeah, that's
1: so weird.
0: Yeah, I can't think of anything else to replace that. Like, there's just nothing that's been around long enough and practiced by enough people that I think we could have it encoded in our DNA. I mean, beyond like familial units and things like that, you know, there's just... I don't think there's any other institution that we've created that has managed to stand the test of time in that way um, to, provide, to provide that feeling. But I really do think the mysterious has something to do with it, that we're all so enchanted by, like, what are we doing here? And I can come up with answers to that that don't revolve around the mysterious, but to remove it entirely seems to me a disservice to human life.
1: Yeah, I think I agree, you know, and that's what's, That's what, again, still is so strange to me, even as a person practicing here, is that, you know, even if a person, I think, doesn't believe explicitly what's happening, you know, we say this bread is going to become the body of Christ, the person says. That's complete nonsense. Somehow, like you said, though, they still, even though intellectually they're rejecting that entire idea, something about it matters to them. And that's what's so hard. For me to understand, because it feels like, yeah, I've, I've rejected that. I don't believe that. So it should be just as if I walked up to you on the street and said, you know, I'm a purple dragon and you'd be like, no, you're not. But people connect with it, right? it's kind of undeniable that that happens. So even though we intellectually reject an idea, somehow it still touches us in a way that we can't account for. Hmm.
0: Uh, my guest for uh, yesterday and today has been Mike Robinson. Mike, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I really, I thank you for essentially taking an interview request from some complete stranger out of the blue to talk about one of the, the most central parts of human life. Uh, I, I really appreciate you doing it, and it's been fascinating to hear your perspective. So thanks a lot.
1: No, thank you for having me on your show. It's been fun.
0: My thanks to Mike Robinson for being on the show. My thanks again to Ben Weidman for connecting me with Mike. Tomorrow on the show, as the Catholic Exploration Week concludes, we'll dig into the poetry of the monk Thomas Merton. Meanwhile, you can go to AbriefChat.com, and there you'll find all the previous episodes of this show. You'll also find the means of becoming a member. Just click on Support the Show. It's hugely Hugely impactful to me and to my family uh, because it is one of the main ways that income enters our household. So if you can see your way to becoming a member, I would greatly appreciate it. I'll see you back here tomorrow for some poetry. I love you. A better world is possible, but we have a lot of work to do.